0: We are. Uh, I want to thank Pastor Adam for doing a wonderful job last week. We started out a new sermon series called "Fulfilled," and I want you to understand that 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 the plan of God from the beginning to redeem us of our sins was Jesus. He didn't come up with it on the spot, like some of my plans. I don't know if anyone else is like me, but sometimes on the spot you're like, "Oh, we can fix this right here, and this is the way we're going to do it," and and you just come up with it right there. But we pointed last week back to all the way back to the beginning, where God already had it in place, and and we're going to take the rest of the month and Christmas and 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 dive into the Bible in a way that that shows that that Jesus is the fulfillment of of what God intended to happen. There is no one else. It isn't isn't maybe Jesus is the Christ, maybe he's the way to salvation. No, he is the fulfillment of of God's plan for us. And so um, today we're gonna look into the book of Matthew and a little bit into Isaiah. And we're gonna uh, gonna do a little bit of a dive into this and find out. Um, Last week was a little bit of preparation. This week we're actually dive into the portion of scripture where Matthew starts out with, Um, the famous portion, behold, a virgin will give birth to a son and you will call him Emmanuel. And where'd that come from and and how, how we could be confident in that scripture being fulfilled in Jesus. So we're gonna read from Matthew chapter one. Why don't you stand to your feet? Matthew chapter one, I think from today you have a couple weeks to finish up your Christmas shopping. Well, maybe... You're the early service, and you've already done it all. Matthew chapter 1, verse 18. Amazon delivers every day. Matthew chapter 1, starting in verse 18. Now the birth of Jesus took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with a child from the Holy Spirit, and her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. By the way, just a side note, if I woke up from that dream, I'd be sweating at that point in time. I don't know about anybody. (gasps) Joseph woke from his sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but knew her not until she gave birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. Now we're going to flip all the way back, seven hundred years before this, to the book of Isaiah. The book of Isaiah, chapter seven, we'll start in verse one. In the days of Ahaz, the son of Jotham, the son of Uzziah, the king of Judah, Rezin, the king of Syria, and Pekah, the son of Ramalia, the king of Israel, came up to Jerusalem to wage war against it but could not yet mount an attack against it. When the house of David was told Syria is in league with Ephraim, the heart of Ahaz and the heart of his people shook as the trees of the forest shake before the wind. And the Lord said to Isaiah, "'Go out to meet Ahaz, you and Shear Jashub, your son,' at the end of the conduit of the upper pool on the highway to the washer's field, and say to him, Be careful, be quiet, and do not fear. And do not let your heart be faint because of these two smoldering stumps of firebrands. At the fierce anger of resident Syria and the son of Ramalia, because Syria and Ephraim and the son of Ramalia has devised evil against you, saying, Let us go up against Judah and terrify it, and let us conquer it for ourselves and set up the son of Tebiel. As king in the midst of it, thus says the Lord God, it shall not stand. It shall not come to pass for the head of Syria is Damascus and the head of Damascus is resin. And within 65 years, Ephraim will be shattered from being a people. And the head of Ephraim is Samaria and the head of Samaria is a son of Ramalia. If you are not firm in faith, you will not be firm at all. Again, the Lord spoke to Ahaz, ask a sign from the Lord, your God. Let it be deep as Sheol or high as a heaven. But Ahaz said, I will not ask, and I will not put the Lord to the test. And he said, hear then, O house of David, is it too little for you to weary men that you weary my God also? Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and call his name Emmanuel. He shall eat curds and honey, and when he knows how to refuse the evil and choose the good for before the boy knows how to refuse evil and choose good, the land whose two kings you dread will be deserted. The Lord will bring upon you and upon your people and upon your father's house such days as have not come since the day that Ephraim departed from Judah, the king of Assyria. So Father, we ask you this morning to open our hearts. Lord, open our minds that we'd receive you today. God, your word has the power to renew us, to change us, to give us wisdom, to bring faith into our lives. So we pray today that you do just that, change us through your word. In Jesus' name we pray and everyone said, amen. You may be seated. All right, if you've heard the Christmas story you've, you're familiar with, and behold, a virgin will give birth and you shall call his name Emmanuel. Emmanuel meaning God with us. You've, you've probably heard that. If you were at this church last year, you heard it read as the children uh, drug the cardboard uh, camels up on the stage, which will happen next week. What you may not have known is where that came from. You read in Matthew that it's a fulfillment of what the prophet said, but which prophet, when, where, how, all those things. So Isaiah was about 700 years before Christ. And listen, honestly, as Americans, we have trouble fathoming that, right? 700 years. The the oldest place in America, maybe maybe 300 years old, 350. Um, We don't really have old things in America. You go to Europe and you can walk into cathedrals that were built 700 years ago. Uh, I've been in a cathedral uh, in in Germany that took 700 years to build. Now, I don't know about you, but that seems like a long time. I mean, we're flipping them in three months. I don't know if they didn't have resources or people in Germany were just lazy back then, but 700 years, they were planting trees, letting the trees grow fully to maturity, cutting them down, sawing them up and using them in the church. I don't know about you, but that's hundreds of years to wait for a treaty. And so it's hard for us to fathom a span of 700 years because America is so young. But Isaiah was about 700 years before Christ and he writes this, and behold, a virgin will give birth. It's a sign to a wicked um, king named Ahaz. 700 years before Jesus. Now, I'm gonna give you a little insight into how this played out. Because before 1947, the earliest manuscript we had of the book of Isaiah was from the first century A.D., like a hundred A.D. was the was the oldest manuscript we had from Isaiah. So so okay, if you're if you're a little skeptical, you could say, well, that would have been easy to forge because you could have forged the, late, the, the oldest manuscript of Isaiah after Jesus was born. If you're a skeptic. The problem is in 1947, we found these things they called the Dead Sea Scrolls in a cave in Qumran. They found perfectly kept in a jar, a scroll of Isaiah the prophet. Now, the issue is this thing is way older, way older than the one they had previously had. Matter of fact, it's the oldest one we have now. It is, in 1947, they found out it was a thousand years older than the oldest copy they had had. A thousand years. Can anybody think about a thousand years? That's a millennia. It's a thousand years older than the oldest one they had. So, and you know what the miraculous part was? They didn't have copier machines. They didn't have Google drive where they could just store it on the drive. And a thousand years later, so I go like, oh, look, he left the us on Google. No, they go back a thousand years and the scribes had written almost verbatim the exact same thing. Isn't God good? So you find the scroll of Isaiah and the, dead, and the dead Sea Scrolls, what they call it, in a cave in 1947, and to their amazement, it says the same thing. Some words are spelled a little different and maybe placed in different places, but the majority of the text is exactly the same, a thousand years older than the one we had. So now I think we can confirm that Isaiah said it. Amen. Are you fine with that? Do we all agree? All right, if, if you don't, see me after the church and I'll just look at you like, I don't know what to say. Um, a thousand years. I mean, we go, hey, it was written 50 years ago. It's fact. A thousand years before. It's the same manuscript. Okay. So now we got to get into what was Isaiah talking about? And we find out in chapter 7 of Isaiah that there is a king who is an apostate king. Ahaz, and what has happened is two of his enemies have surrounded him, Syria and Ephraim. They, they, they haven't laid siege to the city, but they've taken over all the surrounding area. And God tells Isaiah, hey, go talk to him, go talk to the king. And he actually tells him where to meet the king. Now, now they've kind of blockaded the city. And, and what you find out is that Ahaz, where, where God tells Isaiah to meet Ahaz, he said, go meet him at the upper pool. And what happened was Ahaz was going up to the water source to figure out how long they had to last. He was going to check their water source to figure out, hey, how long can we make it? And so God said, hey, Isaiah, go meet him up where he's fearing the most. Go meet him up at that pool where he's trying to calculate how he's going to make it out of this. Go meet him up there. He's making his plans. He's already already decided some things. Go meet him up there and tell him to chill out. That's what it says. It says, don't, don't be afraid, don't do anything. Just be still, be confident. Come on, I'm with you. So so Isaiah takes him and his son and he goes up there and he meets this king and he says, hey man, this is what the Lord says to you. Don't be afraid. This is what, this is what the deal is. And he gives him a word from the Lord. Hey, don't be afraid, this is what's gonna happen. And But your job is just to be firm, just stay here. Just don't do anything. It was almost like Isaiah was coming to him and going, hey, man, all you got to do is not screw it up. Think about it. The prophet's instruction to this king was just don't do anything. Don't talk to anybody. Just stay here and God will deliver you. How many of you would like that prophecy in your life right now? Right now. There's been seasons of my life where I'm in the middle of it going, God, I'm trying to figure this out. And he's going, settle down, Chris. And I'm like, you don't understand. I'm the only one trying to figure it out. You ever felt like that? Isn't it crazy? Now thinking back on it, that I I would have that conversation with God. The The one who made sure that a thousand years before Jesus, he was writing down that he was coming. And I'm saying, I'm the only one trying to figure it out. (laughs) It's always laughable, isn't it? Lord, but I'm the only one trying to figure, you're not doing anything. You're telling me to do nothing. And And he's like, settle down. I sent a prophet up to you to tell you to calm down. Yeah, but I don't like that prophet. If you send me one that's nice and one that'll talk to me, like, got some respect, you know, I mean, look what I've done. And so what happens is he tells him, Hey, this is the word from the Lord. Settle down. Just calm down. God is with you. He's going to deliver you. Just settle down. And God knew the king. He says, I'm going to give you a sign. I'm going to give you another sign. Here, I'm going to let you test me. I'm going to let you ask anything. This is what, this is what Isaiah ends up telling him. God says, Hey, tell him to ask me, tell him to ask me for a sign. Now, if you read this the wrong way, you've got to read this the right way. Are you with me? Again, the Lord spoke to Ahaz, ask a sign of the Lord your God. Let it be deep as Sheol or high as the heaven. So Isaiah looks at him and he says, okay, you don't believe me on the first one. Now, God says, ask for anything. Ask for a sign that he's going to protect you. As deep as you can go, as high as you can go, you ask for any sign you want and he'll give it to you. I'm the prophet. He'll give it to you. I'm telling you. Ask for any sign. Now, the problem is Ahaz has no scripture as well. He goes all the way back to Deuteronomy, and he pulls a scripture from Deuteronomy, not, not to test God, not to do what God asked him to do, but to show that he had already made up his mind. Now, it seems like, when you read it, it seems like Ahaz is telling the prophet Isaiah, like, well, you don't know your Bible. You, you don't know, you don't know what God wrote before. You don't know all this stuff, Isaiah. So he says, I will not ask. And I will not put the Lord to the test. So he's pulling this commandment from Deuteronomy. God's prophet is standing in front of him saying, Ask the Lord to show you, and he will show you how he will protect you. Ask him anything. And and Ahaz goes, I'm not going to put the Lord to the test. And what he was really saying is, I've already made up my mind what I'm going to do. I've already made my mind up what I'm going to do. And um, it's not good. It is really not good. And so he says, I'm not going to put the Lord to the test. And he said, this is Isaiah. Hear, then, O house of David, is it too little for you to weary men that you weary my God also? Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Here we go. Are you ready? The Lord himself. Now, you won't ask. The Lord will give you a sign. Here's what it's going to look like. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. Now, Ahaz didn't know about Christmas. Did you know that? There's no, no Christmas celebration there because there's no Jesus. He, had, he hadn't come yet 700 years before. And so what happens is Isaiah is giving him a timeline. So we have a thing in prophecy called, that, that, that is a part of it is fulfilled in that time and then it's still pointing to a yet to be fulfilled part. Amen? You do that with your kids sometimes, don't you? You say, I'm going to whip your button out, and then I'll whip. <laughs> that's what happened. Have, never mind. But there's a little bit, that's what's going on here. This isn't, this isn't something Ahaz doesn't understand. Isaiah's giving him a Timeline. He's saying, you've rejected God. I know you've already made up your mind, Ahaz. And what you've made up your mind to do is not what God wants you to do. And this is, you're getting ready to ruin this thing. You're getting ready for your own safety to make a deal that you should never make. And we'll get into that in a second. He's like, you're going down the wrong path. So here's what's going to happen. God's going to give you a sign. It's going to point to a child that's going to be born. And when that child is born, this is what you have to look forward to. Now, now, scholars aren't 100% sure if it was a son to be born through Isaiah at that time, but it was a timeline for the king to pay attention to. A woman who has not yet had a baby will have a baby. And when that baby reaches a certain age, this thing is going to happen. And it was a judgment on Ahaz and the people for not trusting God. All right. Does that make sense to everybody? Okay. Here is what Ahaz had decided to do. There's a group of people called the Assyrians, and they were as wicked as you can possibly get on the planet, as wicked as you can get. And to save himself, Ahaz had decided to go into alliance with Assyria because the enemy of my enemies is my friend. That works. Listen to me. That works until your enemy doesn't have any more enemies, except you. And so, what Ahaz had decided was he would he would go in alliance with Assyria, and they would help him defeat Syria and Ephraim. They would get the two the two closest and most and, and, and most pressing threats off of him. Sometimes we trade safety from the most pressing thing for something that will oppress us greatly later. Are you are you hearing me? Now, I know some of us are, go through some things and, and whatever we're going through in the moment, we're like, oh my goodness, oh my goodness, I can't do this anymore, I can't do this anymore. And yet, what we don't understand is we're trading safety from that thing for something that will eat us alive later. So, Isaiah's going, don't do it, man. Don't do it. But here's a sign. Here's a sign. The virgin will give birth. And when this child grows up to a certain age, this is what God's going to do. But there was a flash of hope in the birth of that child. Because Isaiah had a picture of what was going to happen and, and Judah was going to fall. Jerusalem was going to fall. They were going to fall, and it was going to be hard. And the Assyrians were not only going to defeat their enemies, but they were going to defeat them. And it was going to be painful, and it was not going to be nice, but God would be with them. So he was telling the people through the prophecy, here's a timeline of what's going to happen But name the child Emmanuel. And when you go through this suffering at the hands of Assyria, God will be with you. God never forsook his own people, but they did have to walk through difficult times. Amen? Because of their own choices. He never forsook them, but they did have to go through difficult times because of their own choices. So what he's saying is, hey, listen, here's a timeline. But they'll call the boy Emmanuel. And that's a sign that God will be with you through this whole thing. All right. So now we're going to fast forward 700 years, 700 years. And the Jews that are under Roman oppression are looking for a way out. They're looking for a way out they 're looking for a way to get out of roman oppression they want they want a, they want a political and military messiah that will get them out of Roman oppression. They want whatever they have to do whatever has to happen they want to get out of this they want to be free from this they want a messiah that will that will that will fit all of their laws and all of their rules and and, and do it the way they do it and by the way, by the way, if you read the New Testament, you find out that the way they were adhering to what they considered the law wasn't the way God wanted them to do it. They were pious and, and proud and, and all these things because of their ability. And Jesus would come along and say, hey, listen, that's not how you do it. So there's a great deal of irony here in both of these stories because when, when Matthew writes about the birth of Christ, he says it happens in this way, that, that Mary... An angel came to Mary and said, you'll be with child. And then an angel came to Joseph. When Joseph found out, he was like, hey man, this ain't going to work for me. With reason. You're pregnant and you're telling me no one, that God did it. This is the, Mari Povich wasn't even around back then. So, so he's going, hey, I love you, but I'm going to put you, I'm this, we're going to keep this quiet. And I can't marry you now. And then Joseph has a dream, and Joseph has a dream, and the angel says, "Behold, the virgin will give birth, and you will call his name Emmanuel." Now think about it. Similarities are 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 almost unbelievable. Israel is in another place where they're where they're being oppressed. They're, I mean, there's freedom, but it's but they hated the Romans. And as a sign God is telling them don't make a deal with people who are going to mistreat you later. Now, we didn't get to the we didn't get to the thing. Remember remember I told you that Ahaz was going to make a deal with Assyria. Remember, the enemy of my enemy is my friend type deal. Only this had a little bit of a caveat to it. This had a little bit of a caveat to it. Ahaz had to go in agreement with Syria that they would worship the gods Assyria worshipped. I left that part out. So Ahaz has already made up his mind. He's already calculated that my safety at this point in time and my position at this point in time, my power at this point in time is worth more than my worship to God. Me, me being confident about my surroundings and about my position is worth more than pure worship to my creator. He made that calculation. I'm not going to ask for a sign. I don't need a sign. This is, I've already decided. So what happens, what happens when he makes this agreement is not only does he, does he make all the people go into pagan worship, he actually carves a space out in the temple To bring the pagan God into the temple to be worshipped alongside. Well, can I tell you right now that if you bring the pagan God in beside the true God, there's only one God being worshipped. And he makes this deal. The prophet is standing right in front of him saying, hey, listen, God will deliver you. Just stand firm. And he goes, nope, I'd rather worship a pagan God than wait on the real one. Wow, does that have any application today? They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They will mount up with wings as eagles. They will walk and not be weary. They will run and not faint. Do you remember that old song, anybody? Teach me, Lord. You remember that old song? Teach me, Lord, to wait. If there's anything about our existence now, it's that no one can wait on the Lord. We all, we all start getting fidgety after five minutes. Lord, Lord, you said, wait. And it's been five minutes. You said, be still and wait on the Lord. I have been standing still. I haven't checked my phone in the last five minutes. I haven't, I haven't checked anything. I'm waiting on you. I'm waiting on you. And the remarkable part is he says, wait on the Lord until, until. That's all he told Ahaz, just wait until the Lord delivers you. Stand firm, wait, stand firm, wait, stand firm, wait. And Ahaz would rather make a deal with the devil than wait on the Lord. And I think that's where we live today. And that's also where the Jews lived in Jesus' time. Now follow me all the way through with this. There's going to be a sign. Matthew says, in fulfillment of prophecy, the angel came to Joseph and said these exact words. And behold, a virgin will give birth. And you will call his name Emmanuel, God with us. You will call his name Emmanuel, God with us. And this is a beautiful thing because, because the Jews were going, God, we need somebody to re- deliver us and rescue us. We need somebody. We need somebody. And Jesus comes born of a virgin. And they, and they, they said, call his name Emmanuel, God with us. And the same, the same exact thing is getting ready to play out as played out in Ahaz's day. Almost verbatim. Watch this. Watch this. Come on, some of you know the story. Jesus grows up, begins his ministry around the age of 30. He has a public ministry for about three years. And then what happens? Instead of waiting on God to do it the way God wants to do it, through Jesus, what happens? They make a deal with the devil. Sound familiar? They make a deal with Rome and say, hey, listen, we can't have him here anymore. We would rather, we would rather make a deal. No. Think about how crazy this is in Jesus' time. They wanted to be out from under Roman oppression so bad, but they would make a deal with the Romans to secure their position. They'd make a deal just like Ahaz made. 700 years later, they'd make the same deal. And the same sign came to tell him. And behold, a virgin will give birth. And you will call his name Emmanuel, God with us. You say, Chris, well, what does that mean for today? This is so applicable today. It is so applicable today because God is asking the church today. He's asking you as individuals to trust him to trust him, you go, God, I don't know what you're doing. It doesn't make any sense. I can't figure it out. I don't know. I don't know. you know, Lord, there's so much stress in my life. There's so much, there's so much that. my kids and my work. And I don't know, Lord, I don't know what you're doing. I don't know. I don't understand. Why don't you fix it? Why don't you fix it? And, and oftentimes he shows up and he says, trust me, trust me. Don't, don't get off frenzied and, and don't, don't start doing, don't start doing things. It, has anybody ever just started doing things? Come on, help me out. Raise your hand so we can, so I can feel good about myself. Um, anybody ever started just doing things? You got into that frenzy like, Lord, it's not working. I've been praying every day. So you wake up the next morning like, I'm gonna just do something. My wife is looking at me right now. You know how many times I've just done something that like it's my knee jerk to everything. What's well, what we gotta do? And if you're wired like me, it is insanity not to be in action. We'll go to counseling later. It's open now. It's insanity not to be in action. It's insanity not to be out front doing something, accomplishing something. Lord, Lord, get out of the way, God. I'll fix this. And what the message of Christmas is, what the message from Isaiah was, God's not asking you to fix it. Matter of fact, he didn't ask any of us to fix it. He never asked any of us to fix it. He said, trust me. And not like your buddy who's getting ready to jump the car off the cliff. Trust me, I got this, bro. That's not God. The same God that had a thousand year scroll say the same thing as the one a hundred years after Christ, the same God that was able to put that in motion, the same God that was able to save the savior, send the savior of the world, the same God that loved you so much that he would do that, the same God is saying, hey, settle down, calm down a second. I've got it worked out. Don't freak out and don't do anything dumb. And you know what he tells me? Chris, in order for you not to do anything dumb, don't do anything. (laughs) Don't do anything. Now, I know some of you are thinking, man, yeah, but what about all this motivation to get to? I'm not saying don't go to work. You know what I'm saying? I'm saying I spend so much time trying to manipulate all the things to work them out the way I think they should work out and the outcomes that I think they should come to. And sometimes I'm making deals with things that I shouldn't be making deals with. And we live in a culture that is willing to trade the eternal for something that will give them peace in the moment. The only problem is that thing that's giving them peace in the moment will wreck their lives in 10 years. And the stuff that's out now won't take 10 years. Are you hearing me? And what the modern day churches does is we make the same deals that Ahaz did. If the modern day church can make a couple political deals to secure our position. Mm. I'll preach more on that next year since it'll be election year. (laughs) But if the church can make a couple political deals to secure our position as if any politician has ever saved us. As if any politician won't eat us for dinner later. But we will jump in the front of the line and go, who do we support to get what we want? And the truth of the matter is God saying, that's not the way I set it up. I didn't set it up for you to make deals to get peace. Matter of fact, the most tragic peace deal ever made in history will be at the end times when Israel makes a seven-year peace treaty that will get broke at their expense. Read Revelation. And I'm not saying we should be at war with people, but we can't be afraid of tough times. We can't be afraid of standing in the face of adversity and going, uh, we're not making a deal because God told us to trust him. Amen. We won't capitulate the gospel because there's parts of it that aren't um, palatable for our community. Because when we start bending the word of God to get immediate approval, then the then the thing that we bend it towards will end up devastating us later. And, and 700 years before Jesus, God is going, listen, my people, don't do this. Here's a sign. I will be with you, but it'll be tough if you go down this road. 700 years later, the savior of the world shows up and the fulfillment of that prophecy happens in Jesus. And it's another sign. It's another sign that God loves us, but we can't make deals. It's another sign that God, God wants the best for that. He came to save us and we can't save ourselves. Stand firm, just stand there. Just trust in the Lord. Come on, wait on the Lord to renew your strength. Wait on him to be there. Come on, He. the same sign is that we don't have to have it all figured out. The same sign that you can't work yourself into God's good graces. I'll just preach to myself this morning because sometimes... I, um, sometimes, mm, listen, listen, um, how many of you feel really good when you're doing really good? Anybody else? Come on. Can we be honest? You feel really good when you're doing really good. How, how long does that stretch usually last for you? Two or three hours or maybe, maybe a week. Okay. So, um, so last week I told the church in Berkeley Springs this week, now I'll tell everybody. Last week I was in the building on Saturday in Berkeley Springs, and, and that was a true remarkable, truly remarkable thing. It was it was just it was amazing. And, and and everybody left the building about six o'clock. About six o'clock in the evening. And I and I stuck around. Because I like it when everybody leaves, you know, people. Um, I like it when everybody leaves. And everything's done now. It's ready to go. We're going to have church there uh, Sunday morning. And I'm just kind of walking around the building praying. I got all the lights off. And um, just walking around the building praying. And uh, I was feeling pretty good. I was feeling really good. Because this year, this year, Hope Community Church started a church in Concord, New Hampshire. Come on. In two months, started a church at Concord, New Hampshire, and then we launched a biblical counseling center. The first text message about that about that concept was last was June of 2022. So in about a year and a half, we we train, set the whole thing up, the whole thing, build the park, do the whole thing. November 12th, boom, on the dot, we move into it. Whoa! Then, then we then we're like, oh. The conversation about Berkeley Springs campus started in April of this year. And we're able to walk through that whole thing. And, and, and August 26, I think we started ripping out the old carpet and the, all the stuff. And I started looking back through my phone. I thought, man, three months. I mean, on the day we were open up, up December 3rd. And when people walk in December 3rd, it's a new church. No, no, no. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. You're going to ruin it. You're gonna... So, uh, what happens is, um, I'm walking around the church praying and I'm feeling pretty good about myself. (laughs) I'm thinking, Lord, you did it. And you did it through me. It only took about 10 minutes for him to smack me right in the mouth. Um, Because when we, like, like, we have come to this place where we think, if I'm doing good, God loves me. If I'm doing good, I'll get to heaven if I'm doing good. Now, now, don't get me wrong. We are a church of action. But God will pull me aside sometimes and say, your actions didn't get you here, Chris. Your trust in me got you here. Your trust in me got you here. Not what you did. And if you keep that up, I'll do it through somebody who's not as talented as you and I'll prove it. And so he, all the way back 700 years ago, he's telling Ahaz, listen, man, I know you're the king, but God will do this for you. If you let him, if you don't get in the way and Ahaz goes, I already got the plan. I don't need you. I don't even need to ask for a test. I already know how this thing's going to work out. And God goes, okay, here's a timeline. It ain't going to end well. Fast forward to Jesus. He'll be born of a virgin. You'll call him Emmanuel. And the people said, we don't need him. Fast forward 2,000 years. And the message of Christmas is still ringing every December In the Western and most of the world, in the Western world for sure, it's ringing throughout every December. We put up trees and we buy stuff we can't afford, and we give it to people that don't like us, and we do the thing over and over and over and over again. I'm talking about your kids. We give it, do it, we do it over and over and over again. And then what happens is we go, God, that was a great thing, but we don't need you. We got it worked out and we make deal after deal after deal that ruin our lives. And he said, this will be a side that you can't get it done on your own. The virgin will have, will, will give birth to a son and they'll call him Emmanuel. And last Saturday, December 2nd, which was one day after my, my 23rd anniversary of being, of being, uh, um, hired at this church, December 1st, um, the 2nd of December, I'm walking around telling God how good I am. And he said, Chris, you didn't do it. And I went, you're right. And then he started bringing pictures in my mind back of all the people that he had put in my path. I, he, he said, I set you up to accomplish this. If you take credit for it, it'll kill you. I think I left the building about 10 o'clock after apologizing to him and calling a couple people and saying, hey, you made this happen. Somebody that, somebody that believed in me 25 years ago, you made this happen. And what I want to tell you is right now, that whatever circumstance you find yourself in this morning, you may be saying, Pastor Chris, this is the toughest December I've ever had in my life. You may say, I don't know how to, I've been trying everything. I've been trying to do this, trying to do that. I've been trying to do this, trying to do that. I've been trying, I've been making deals. I've been doing all this stuff. And the Christmas st- word to you through this prophecy is just, just trust God. You're saying, oh, it's so cliche. Just trust God. Well, you got a couple decisions. You could trust God or screw it up on your own. The truth of the matter is this. There's a timeline 700 years ago and there's a timeline today. And God is saying, I sent him to be with you and you can still trust me. I sent Jesus to be with you and you can still trust me. You can lay your head down on your pillow at night with chaos at your doorstep and sleep because he's there. Amen? Amen? You can can be rest assured that he is for you and he is with you and that he is working it out for your behalf, for your good. And he promised us that and he sent us the sign that it was true. How will we know? Matthew says, here's how you know. Mary was the virgin and Jesus was Emmanuel. And that same God that came and lived and died on the cross for you is still with you today. Amen. Stand to your feet. We'll get the fuzzy reindeers next week. I'm sorry. But, but listen, the church, the church in the West is at a crossroads, The church in America is at a crossroads and we need to see the signs and we need to know how God is fulfilling those signs. And we cannot make the mistakes of Old. We can't. Your family can't afford to make old mistakes. We need to have new faith in place of old mistakes. Amen? And we have to be able to trust him in the middle of chaos. We have to be able to trust him when it seems like our culture is flipped upside down. We need to know how to trust him. And the way we can trust him is that he gave us a sign. Jesus, Emmanuel, God with us. And the truth of the matter is, I have a hundred times more of a sign today than poor Ahaz did 700 years ago. My sign is that God loved me so much that he sent Jesus that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Amen. Can you do me a favor? Can you lift whatever, whatever you've been contemplating making a deal with, can you just lift it up to him this morning?